You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmer Center here. I am your host. Welcome all. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Um, we have a lot to talk about. We have some big news that happened um, yesterday, time of this recording. Um, and I'm going to be going over AEW Double or Nothing that happened uh, this past weekend. Um we're going to be going over those two things. This is that that is the main that is ma- the majority of what this podcast is going to be, uh, and I have a bit of things of how I'm going to be structuring this podcast uh, moving forward after the big news we have seen. So, yesterday at the time of this recording, on June twelfth, twenty twenty one, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful had reported that there's going to be some releases, some uh, pretty major names. Ones that would shock a lot of people. And the names that happened, Sean Ross Sapp confirmed. He said once he gets the confirmation, he'll report them. He confirmed the names, and then WWE followed shortly after on their Twitter page. WWE had released Santana Garrett, Buddy Murphy, Lana, Ruby Riot, Alistair Black, and Braun Strowman. Now, some of these names are... Not as shocking, but most of them are pretty shocking that they released these people. So let's just go with the big one first. Let's let, let's go to Braun Strowman. So I remember texting with Sean uh, when all this stuff was happening, and uh, the the tweets from Sean Ross Sapp, and he's just like, "Oh no!" And then he's the one who shared me the picture. Now, at first, when I saw it, I was um, I had only seen the picture, and I saw a beard. I'm just like. At first, I thought it was Tommaso Ciampa. I'm like, oh no, they released Ciampa? I would have been livid. But then I saw they released Braun Strowman. I'm like, what? I mean, Strowman. I'm surprised he. I'm surprised he got cut. At the same time, I'm not surprised he got cut. I'm not surprised he got cut because they weren't doing anything with him of, of real value in, in, a, in a really really long time. But I'm also surprised he got cut because he's Braun Strowman. He's been WWE's big guy he's been one of their top guys for so long they've invested so much time and money into him you know it's 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 amazing that they that they released him i i it's it is shocking to say the least um you know braun has always kind of been in the main event picture you know he's always kind of been you know near the top of the car in the title picture you know he was universal champion last year beating goldberg i mean due to unforeseen circumstances you know COVID happening and then Roman pulling out of mania but still he beat Goldberg um and he was universal champion uh you know he was in the the top of the card for a while you know he 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 was just in the WWE championship match at the last pay-per-view between Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley guy was just in the championship match one of the championship matches at the last pay-per-view and he gets released as of two days ago it, 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 you know, they gave him all, they put all this time, all this money into Braun Strowman, and it's always been a start-stop thing with him, you know, it's like he was super over with the crowd, um, he was really, really, like, you know, they put him on, on par with Brock Lesnar, like, when, in 2017, 2018, Braun Strowman was the guy. He was so over. Everybody loved Braun Strowman. You know, I, I remember seeing that fatal four-way uh, between him, Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship at SummerSlam. I was at that SummerSlam, and man, the crowd was white hot for him. The people loved him, and when he faced Brock Lesnar at No Mercy uh, later that pay- the next pay-per-view... He should have won, dude. Like, they should have saved that WrestleMania, WrestleMania 34. The main event should have been Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman for the Universal title, and Strowman should have won. You know, the when he did win the Universal Championship, it's kind of like, well, too little, too late. They just they did so much stop and start stuff with Strowman. It's like they, they didn't really know what they were doing with the guy. He was entertaining. He was great in the ring, and he really, really deserved so much better. 
Um, I, I just, as far as where Strowman could go, a lot of people say, you know, he could go to AEW. Um, some people laugh at that, but I could believably see him in AEW. Some people think they could see him in, um, in uh, Impact, where I think he'd actually do really, really well in Impact. I, I think Impact Wrestling is a great, um, it, it would be a great fit for Strowman. You know, um, it, it's it's just a shame, you know, because the guy was is legitimately talented. Uh, and some people are getting on his case because of a comment he made last year uh, with evil, something with evil Uno about how, like, you know, he said, oh, here we go. People begging and asking for money, you know, go get it. You know, those karma maybe in his maybe you could say karma came to bite him in the ass again, bite him in the ass. But honestly, I don't think anybody should really be happy that he lost his job. You know, I saw something where uh, some some fan tweeted, uh, said like, "Oh, WWE, I just canceled my trips for WrestleMania next year, and I'm I'm not going. I canceled. Like, how do you release uh, Braun Strowman but not release Baron Corbin? It's like, how do you? And then uh, Corbin says like, you know, it's like, I don't understand. Like, I this uh, he, I'm paraphrasing him, but he pretty much says." Why should you be wishing anybody would get released? Why are you wishing anybody would get fired? You know, um, it's and he's right. You know, I I wouldn't want Baron Corbin to be released or or Bronster anybody of these people. You know, yeah, I it's it sucks. It it really really sucks. And I've only even gotten into the first. I haven't even gotten to the rest of the names here. Um, you know, the the next name of the list, Alistair Black. Alistair Black's it pisses me off. For a few reasons, um, I thought about it because you know Black he um, he did have a uh, he did apparently want his release at some point. There were reports saying that he wanted his release. He wanted to go back to NXT, and you know it didn't work out um, because they weren't really doing much with Aleister Black. But what pisses me off about the ordinarily, if they weren't doing anything with him, we're like, all right, cool. Tommy N can go to the Indies, or he can go to AEW, or he can go to New Japan, or whatever. But now. I think that because they took time and they did like we we had some uh we had some releases a little while ago and people were reporting well Alistair Black is not amongst one of those names going to get released because they've been filming stuff for him they've been filming vignettes and they've been filming these video packages for him to return I'm like oh okay cool you're going to be doing something and those video packages were really really good. I liked them a lot. You know, I'm like I'm interested in this this dark father character they're coming up with, and he returns to SmackDown, attacks Big E. He gets into a feud with Big E, and then he's gone, and then and then now he's released. It's like, why would you invest so much time in somebody, and then you just you just release them? It doesn't make any fucking sense. And and now. You know he still has the the uh, Dark Father shirt that's still on pre order. It's and he I'll go into a thing because he went on his wife uh, Zelina Vega or Thea Trinidad now um, on her Twitch stream to explain his reasoning. So here are highlights from this Twitch stream, courtesy of the four three the four thirty four on Facebook. Um, it says um, that he isn't angry with his release and that he is thankful for his five years in the WWE. Looking forward to what's ne- he's looking forward to what's next to him and seeing what is next for his character and they will do with the shackles off. Noted that Vince McMahon was consistently praising him for his creative ideas for his character and oh, and was always respectful. Says he and Vince had a good relationship. Felt they could have done they could never do the Aleister Black persona on Raw or SmackDown as well as his time in NXT claim Paul Heyman and Bruce Pritchard were always going to bat to, to bat for him. Uh, he was originally supposed to take a break for two months, but then turned to seven months after creative had nothing for him. Mentions had the last few years felt like a slow, painful death was he was originally supposed to win the U S title last year, but Vince didn't want him because he wanted his first uh, title win in the main roster to be in front of fans. So they nixed it. Um, he's he wants to open a wrestling school. The Dark Father version of Aleister Black already had new gear, new theme song. Claimed that this theme song was his favorite, and that he's never had uh, it's his favorite he's ever had in his entire career. And now no one will hear it. He hopes that someone will use it eventually for somebody else. But for now, no one's going to hear this theme song, which really really sucks. 
he wanted a feud with Bray Wyatt, felt they could have had a really interesting program. Yeah, I, I remember talking about that a few years ago. If you could have built up Aleister Black really well and the Fiend character, that would be an excellent feud. But they didn't, we can't have nice things. He kept getting messages from WWE fans that genuinely thought he was a part of the Illuminati, so he messed, so he messed with them. Praised his short time teaming up with Ricochet when they got the call up. Praised Roman Reigns as a locker room leader. He wants to face Andrade again in the near future. He's happy seeing Apollo Crews get a push and his momentum. Best moment in his WWE run was meeting his wife, Selena Vega. Um, and he apparently implores fans you know, to still, to still support wrestlers in the WWE. He's not bitter. He's not angry. And that is the right attitude to have about it because now the shackles are off. In, his, in 90 days, we will see where Tommy End is going to end up and where he's going to be. For those of you who don't know, Tommy End was his independent name before he officially signed to WWE as Aleister Black. So... Alistair Black, it's no secret, he's been one of my favorite wrestlers for a while. He's one of my favorite guys to come into NXT because he had a very unique look. Um, his in-ring style was kind of MMA-based. He moved differently than everybody else. You know, He moved differently. His theme song was incredible. His character was incredible. His dark, brooding character. You know, he didn't talk a whole lot when he came in, but then, you know, over time he started to, you know, we have that that amazing match between him and Velveteen Dream at TakeOver War Games, you know, where the feud was just pretty much Velveteen Dream making him say his name. You know, we had, the, he had a great feud with Andrade and an amazing match for the NXT uh, Championship. He brought Lars Sullivan to a great match, which is saying something. Um, he... His team with Ricochet was really well done. Like the match him and Ricochet had against War Raiders um, on uh, NXT TakeOver New York a few years ago was incredible. It was an amazing tag team match. And I think Ricochet and Aleister Black's tag team run, um, I would say, is very underrated, but they didn't really know what they were doing with the tag team because, you know, they had to scramble, you know, Champa got injured and Gargano. It, it's, it's a whole mess. You know, go look up. I'm not going to harp on that really right now. But it's a shame, man, because Aleister Black, he's money, dude. He he is money. He's He easily could have been a top guy in either Raw or SmackDown as a babyface or a heel. He's got all the charisma in the world. And his fucking finisher, for God's sakes, the Black Mass, a spinning heel kick. A spinning heel kick as your finisher. Just Kicks are just so great as finishers. Look at the Claymore kick. Look, Black Mass, dude. It's it was it's been my favorite finisher for for a while now, and I I just feel for the guy. And it doesn't make any sense to me why you would build this guy up. You know, you have plans for this new character. He makes his return to SmackDown, and then nothing. There's just just absolutely fucking nothing. You know, um, some other highlights of Aleister Black's career was for sure his match with Cesaro at Extreme Rules. Uh, it was his first uh, singles match, I believe, on the main roster uh, at a pay-per-view uh, when he he did the whole, you know, he was in, in the room, he'd be all dark and brooding, and then, Al, and then Cesaro was finally the one to knock on the door, and then they had that great uh, match they had at Extreme Rules a few years ago. Uh, really, really well, uh, really, really great stuff. And then his feud with Buddy Murphy, like... Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black is a feud that I wanted to see for a long, long time. Those guys could have feuded forever. They have such great chemistry together. You know, him and Buddy Murphy, like, I, the, the, another guy who was released on, who was, <laughs> he was released um, too, Buddy Murphy. You know, uh, it's another guy I'm just very uh, shocked. I mean, not entirely shocked considering he was, um, he hasn't really been used much as well, you know. Buddy Murphy's time on the main roster is like he had a pretty he had a pretty great uh, cruiserweight title run, you know. No one really knew about it. That's why he called himself the best kept secret in wrestling because you know no one was really watching two hundred five live. And then he aligns himself with Seth Rollins, and you know they have the, the disciples, and then AOP get injured, and you know he the, the it sucks because all of Seth Rollins that that whole faction Seth Rollins was gonna have Seth Rollins was gonna have is gone. AOP got released last year. Uh, Buddy Murphy got released recently. You know he was in the, in the whole Mysterio feud, and then he you know they they pushed for him to be in a relationship with Aaliyah, and then when the feud was over, like he's with Aaliyah, and then and then nothing. Then he randomly shows up as one of Seth Rollins' disciples again, and then he's gone. 
Um, Murphy took to, I think, Instagram and Twitter to comment on his release saying, so today ends my eight years with WWE. What a crazy ride. Highest of highs, lowest of lows. But whether I had three minutes or 20 minutes, I put all my effort into my performances. Nothing is harder when you when all you want to do is wrestle, but you can't. Um, in my opinion, I haven't yet even hit my peak yet. And I'm excited to see what the next adventure holds. I was lucky enough to work with some of the best talent in the world and learn tremendous amount. But trust me, the whole world will know what I meant by best kept secret. Thank you all. And I have to agree with him. I don't think we've even seen a portion of just how good Buddy Murphy really is. You know, there's a really great match that he had. Really, really good match on NXT with Kota Ibushi. Anybody else remember when WWE were trying to get Kota Ibushi to sign to NXT? Didn't necessarily work out, but he did some NXT matches. And there's a match between Kota Ibushi and Buddy Murphy. I would pay a lot of money to see Buddy Murphy versus Kota Ibushi now. Where Kota Ibushi is right now, where Buddy Murphy is right now, they would have amazing chemistry. I think the perfect place for Buddy Murphy to go is New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think Buddy Murphy would fit in well with just about anybody like just just think about these matches so far all right think think about this for buddy murphy murphy do again versus ibushi murphy versus el fantasmo murphy versus kenta murphy versus zack saber jr buddy murphy versus okada versus naito uh versus jay white versus will osprey when he's healthy um you know just some of those matches alone i'm just like oh god i need to see those matches you know uh uh against Taji Shimori. It's it's so many great match op- uh, potential uh, um, opponents. Uh against Shingo, Buddy Murphy versus Shingo would Shingo Takagi would be amazing, you know? Uh, Tomohiro Ishii. Um it's it would be an incredible incredible list of opponents he has and and eventually, you know, maybe he could go to AEW or something, but I think Murphy would best be suited for New Japan because I think he is that work rate guy who would really, really get a lot of shit done. Um, again, another a release that I'm not really uh, surprised about, but he, he, uh, you know, he's gone from the company again. Uh, I believe I talked about Santana, Santana Garrett already. Uh, Santana Garrett, it's not necessarily surprising. Apparently, she was. She did some stuff at NXT here and there. Then she was going to get called up to the main roster. Didn't make her debut, and then she got released. That really sucks for her. Um, but she's very good in the ring, and she'll bounce back relatively soon. I know she will. Um, the next one being uh, Lana is another shocking. Uh, it's another shocking uh, release. You know, Lana. They clearly had. They clearly put a lot of time and investment into her as well. You know. Lana proved that she always made the best of whatever situation she was in, whether she was looking great or she was looking bad. Lana always did the best she absolutely could. Um, you know, the, the one thing I think we all agree that we loved Lana with was Rusev. Her and Rusev worked great together, and especially in the very beginning when she was his manager and he Rusev was just a, you know, this big brute who just beat everybody up and he just kicked everyone's ass like and you know Rusev crash like you know he couldn't be controlled but Lana could control him you know and even going into the later thing of you know going into the real life thing of Lana and Rusev actually being married and actually being a a real life couple um and then you know they they decided that thinking after Rusev the former Rusev now Miro going to AEW they thought it'd be great to get Lana over as a baby face by feuding her with Nia Jackson Shayna Baszler and having her go through a table every single week for over two months that was not good. Um, and Lana, you know, again, it's very shocking because she is someone who WWE actually liked. They actually gave her time on TV, and now she has been released. Um, it's it, but I think the perfect place for her is to go to AEW. CJ Perry now. Uh, I think she, her, and Miro would just you know pretty much kind of do a similar thing to what they did in WWE you know Miro's the now that Miro's a monster again now that he is uh, he's beating people up and he's a heel you know like just let Miro be a monster again and everything should be good and just have uh, Lana his wife real life wife be his manager it would be really, I mean Miro's great on the microphone but it would be great if he just said a few things here and there and let and just let CJ uh do all the talking. It would be great stuff for AEW because I think she obviously should go right there. 
And last but certainly not least, uh, Ruby Riot. Ruby Riot is somebody who is who is incredibly underutilized, incredibly underrated, and she is somebody who you could build the entire women's roster, an entire women's division around Ruby Riot. You know, she always had a very unique look from the very beginning. You know, it maybe uh, whatever you think of her, if you're not, I, I think Ruby Riot. Again, she could be the face of any women's division she goes to, whether it be uh, Impact or a, uh, AEW. Um, AEW, uh, her going to that roster would be a huge, huge plus for them. It would be a huge, huge plus. Um, it, it would really, really, it would really hype up their uh, their 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 stock and their roster because and the women's division is improving in AEW, which is really really great. Now her going back to her indie name, Heidi Lovelace. Um, you. <laughs> You know, I think about not even just 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 um, Ruby Riot who's been released, but there's a lot of women in the past few months who have been released from WWE in general. Like, you know, Ruby Riot, the Iconics, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, um, Mickey James, Chelsea Green, now Santana Garrett, and there's a few other women I'm forgetting. Like, that's six women there who could vastly improve the women's division in AEW. Like. You need like that that the division is improving. It's been improving for a while and it's been doing a great job. You know, I remember Sheeta and Ty Conti had a great match on AEW recently. Um Britt Baker and Sheeta had a really good match at Double, Double or Nothing, which we'll get into into my review of Double or Nothing. Um but to have Heidi Lovelace, Cassie Lee, Jesse, Jessica McKay, uh Mickey James, Chelsea Green, Santana Garrett, all these girls on this roster, it will just boost the stock and they'll just it'll just it makes makes for great matches, you know? So I see her going to AEW. I see Ruby Riot now, Heidi Lovelace going to AEW. Um and it's a it's a shame. Overall though, this this is going this will this is only going to help WWE's competition once all these wrestlers have been their 98 no compete clauses are going to be up because look at all the people they've released this year. There was a few recently, you know, Alexander Wolf and a few others that I'm just not not remembering at the moment. But you know, a while ago, I meant, I just mentioned Mickey James and Ch- uh, Chelsea Green and the Iconics, Samoa Joe being released now, Braun Strowman, Alistair Black, like Ruby Riot, but Buddy Murphy, like Braun, like how do you release all these people? These are all incredibly talented people that you're not doing anything with. Which also, by the way, with the release of Ruby Riot, there's only three, two to three tag teams in WWE now, as far as the women women's division goes. Natty and Natty and Tamina, Shayna and Nia, which I'm not even sure if they're a tag team anymore, but whatever. Um, and um, shit, uh, Dana and Mandy, and two of those teams are on Raw, and Natty and Tamina are on SmackDown. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And there's only like seven women on the roster. Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, uh, Natalia, Tamina, uh, Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Bailey. That That's it. Seven women on the roster. How do you... How, how do you even do that? The SmackDown roster is so small compared to the Raw roster right now. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. It, it it boggles my mind, man. It just boggles my mind, and it and with all this happening, there's seri- there's been reports and rumors that WWE could sell the company. Vince McMahon could sell the company because this is what a lot of companies do when they're trying to sell to a to a uh, to a different to, to somebody. To clean out and, and and make budget cuts and and make room for other other departments or shorten other departments like, to save money and get the best deal possible, and a lot of this shit I think from what we see is thanks to Nick Khan who has been who's been clearly who's been apparently the mastermind behind all this shit. So apparently it's MSNBC who WWE is talking to. Could they? 
could could they sell the company? Maybe. I don't know. They they could sell the company, but I have no idea. I really have no idea. Could it be a good change? Honestly, yeah, but you know what you could do? Just fucking give Triple H creative control. Give Triple H and Paul Heyman creative control. Let them fucking work together and make the company better and let Vince just just do whatever. Like retire on his yacht, you know? The man has a yacht called the Sexy Bitch. Let him drink champagne and beer or whatever on the Sexy Bitch and just let him just have fun and be a crazy old man because him being a crazy old man is ruining this product and all these wrestlers who are really, really talented are are losing their jobs. You know, a lot of these guys and girls will bounce back and they'll be fine. It's But it's like, but how do you... How do you release all these people when you are making more money than you've ever made? You're making money hand over fist with this billion dollar SmackDown uh, deal from Fox. You're making a lot of money from this Peacock deal with the network. And you're saving money from not doing house shows from the, from the ticket sales that you are not gaining. Because house shows were not doing well before the pandemic. So WWE is making the most money it has ever made hand over fist and their reasonings for cutting a lot of these people is because of budget cuts which is bullshit so it's because of all this that i am i'm going to be making some changes to the podcast format so i thought about this for a while and i'm just going to say right now i'm no longer going to be covering monday night raw on this podcast I will no longer cover Monday Night Raw. If there are some big stories that happened, maybe some title changes or something, I'll cover probably maybe a few things here and there. But overall, I'm not going over the show. I'm not going over the show. I'm done with it. The show just makes me want to rip my hair out. I seriously cannot stand to, to, to stomach it anymore. Because a lot of wrestlers that I'm big fans of, like Drew McIntyre in particular, Drew McIntyre is heading, he is close to heading towards Roman Reigns' go-away heat. And I love Drew. But him versus Lashley again, just, it, it. I'm not excited for it. I'm not excited for it in the sense, like, I don't want Drew to be in the title picture anymore. I want him to go off and do something else. I want him to feud with somebody else and let Lashley feud with other people and let Bobby Lashley have his time, you know? Like I, I really, really don't want, I really don't want that because it's just, it just makes Drew come off as whiny, you know, a little bit, but I, I just, yeah, overall, and I love Drew. Don't get me wrong, I Drew is my boy, but I'm gonna have to. Uh, I am no longer, gonna, I'm no longer gonna be covering Monday Night Raw on this podcast unless they are significant stories because some of the shit that happened on Monday where Shayna Baszler is definitely going to be losing to a fucking puppet where she's going to be jobbing to a puppet and Reginald beats her with the, with a roll up. I'm like, man, this is some fucking bullshit. It really is. So while there are a lot of wrestlers on raw that I'm big fans of, they're not doing anything significant with them for me to care enough. So from this moment on, I will no longer be covering Monday Night Raw until something big changes. Until the product has a big, big change. Hopefully, something does happen. But right now, I'm not going to be covering Raw because it's it's the worst fucking show on television. It's the worst wrestling show going on right now. I will, however, still cover things that happen on NXT. I'll do I'll do predictions for for the pay-per-views. I will do predictions for NXT takeovers. I will cover SmackDown, uh, and I will still cover AEW, and I will cover things of New Japan and Impact and other stuff that's going on as much as I can. But I'm no longer covering Monday Night Raw. And for those of you who liked that I covered Monday Night Raw, I'm sorry, uh, but I can't, but I can't watch it anymore. I really really can't. I can't watch it. I can't stomach it. I can't I can't talk about it anymore because it just it's it pisses me off. No, like nobody should have to deal with this bullshit. There are people online on YouTube who are no longer who don't even want to talk about it anymore. 
Ollie Davis from WrestleTalk and Sean Ross have a Fightful. They did a live stream on the WrestleTalk podcast YouTube channel about how bad the show is that at one point they did a staring contest, a silent staring contest, and they put a poll on the community tab saying, which did you like better? Did you like Ollie and Sean's staring contest or the review of Monday Night Raw? And and like it was like a majority of like 90-something percent of people saying the silent staring contest. Steven Larson from Going In, Steve and Larson, I should say, from Going In Raw, another really great podcast. They don't even fucking do a whole review of Raw because of how bad it is. They don't do that anymore. And you know what? I'm not going to either. So I'm done with Raw. I'm done with this bullshit. It's, it's got to end. This shit has got to end because the only way they are going to learn is if people stop watching. That is the only way they're going to learn. People stop watching. Don't fucking buy the t- tickets to the shows. None of that. Now, I realize I'm still going to cover the pay-per-views and everything because I'm going to. Pay-per-views, I still, I still watch, and there's stuff that's really enjoyable. But as far as watching, watch, uh, you know, keeping up with Raw, not going to do it, guys. I'm sorry. Anyway, the rest of this podcast, I'll be talking about my uh, what I liked and my enjoyment of. AEW Dynamite. Let's actually talk about some wrestling that I really, really enjoyed over the weekend. So, AE, uh, sorry, I said AEW Dynamite. I meant AEW Double or Nothing. I didn't actually get to see AEW Dynamite from the Friday. So, there, I know Dynamite's gonna be going on Friday from the past couple, for the next couple of weeks because of the NBA playoff schedule. Um, but I did get to catch Double or Nothing over the weekend, and my God, man. I got to say, this this is contender for show of the year of how good it was. So this is the first live wrestling show with a full capacity crowd. The crowd was hot in Jacksonville. It was such a great time, man. It was such an amazing show. The show kicked off with um, Hangman Page and the Machine Brian Cage. These guys had a really fun match, back and forth match. Uh, Taz was on commentary. And um, Ricky Starks and Hook tried to come and interfere, but Brian Cage saying, stop, I don't want that, which led up to Adam Page getting the win with the buckshot lariat. Brian Cage tried to go on to get into a fight with Ricky Starks. He's like, ah, my neck, my neck, I can't talk. So he he shoves Hook and he walks away. Um, they've been teasing a babyface turn for Brian Cage for a while now and for him to leave Team Taz, and I think that time is very, very soon. Um, also, congratulations to Hangman Adam Page because he just announced on Instagram that him and his wife are going to be having their first baby. So congratulations, Hangman. Good for you guys. So Hangman Adam Page, he got the win at Double or Nothing. And next up was uh, one of my f- favorite matches of the night, which would be John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Um, I, I, again, another example of the crowd being hot playing Wild Thing with John Moxley's new theme song. I guess I would say Moxley and Eddie Kingston's unofficial theme song is uh, unofficial tag team thing would be The Wild Things, right? Um it's um it's the crowd was just incredible. They were just eating everything up. It was amazing to see that, you know, Kingston and Moxley come to the crowd, the crowd singing Wild Thing, and for Eddie Kingston, man, for Eddie Kingston to come into this company as a heel and cut amazing heel work, being cheered and getting Eddie Chance, this was Eddie Kingston's first first match with AEW, first show with AEW for a full-capacity crowd. I know they've done crowds throughout the year, and they've let some fans in, you know, They've let a certain amount of fans in at Daly's Place. But, man, they, they packed the fucking place, dude. It was so great. The crowd was hot. But, like, they they were there to have fun. They booed all the heels. They cheered all the baby faces. And it was just such a fun time. Um, I was messaging with uh, with Nate, good buddy of mine. He's been on this podcast before. He was catching up with Double or Nothing yesterday. And he's saying, like, so was this feud about... Moxley and Kingston stealing the Young Bucks uh, Dior's Dior sneakers. I'm like, <laughs> no. Um, as we all know, the feud was stemmed from John Moxley and Eddie Eddie Kingston being attacked with the Omega and the Elite, uh, with the Bucks teaming with Moxley and then seemingly done with the Kenny shit. But then they turned heel in the process. Um, 
I gotta say, this is one of uh, I've been loving the heel young buck stuff. I absolutely love the heel young buck stuff. I kind of wanted Moxley and Kingston to win. I was kind of thinking, oh, could they win this match? You know, it was it was fun. Uh, it, it, I loved how Brandon Cutler was get, got fucking beaten up by Kingston and Moxley. Um, I thought for a second possibly that Moxley and Kingston could have won, but then you know, uh, the Bucks and uh, the Bucks were just hitting BTE triggers over and over and over again on Moxley, like four of them, and that's what had the deflating loss of the Bucks retaining the tag team titles. Um, I guess that can kind of be a way to write off Moxley off the of TV, considering Renee, Renee Paquette, uh, a.k.a. Renee Young, his real-life wife is going to be giving birth to their baby soon. So this will give him some time to you know be stay at home and then come back when he needs to. Um, yeah, this tag team match was stellar. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed every single minute of it, man. It was a lot of fun. I hope one day that Moxley and, uh, and Kingston could win the tag team titles. Um, hopefully one day, but for now, uh, it's doesn't seem to be next up. We had, uh, the Casino Battle Royal. Now, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I liked that when they called the suits up for each card, every single person got a uh, an actual entrance instead of everybody coming in at once. I liked Max Caster's little uh, thing here and there. Is his rap. He's saying like, yo, Christian, heard you were better. Like, I can't do Max Caster justice, but he was saying how like you heard you, were, you used to be cool, but then you lost your edge. Like, oh... Uh, Nate kind of thought that was cheesy. Like I don't know, man. I like it. I like Max Caster. He's he's fucking great. Um, I had just just to go through here. Um, I had uh Brian, uh, sorry Adam Page to win. I had Moxley and uh Kingston to win. I was wrong. Uh, but here I had Christian Cage. Um, this was a fun match. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs looked really great in this match. Uh, Christian Cage looked great. You know, Matt Hardy and the and Private Party have been really great as as with the Hardy family uh, faction and you know really playing up the heel side of it side of things. Um, with the last three eliminating being uh, Matt Hardy, Christian Cage, and Jungle Boy. Man, the crowd was so hot for Jungle Boy. You know, singing Tarzan Boy and, and waving their hands back and forth. Oh, 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 it was it was a lot of fun, man. You know, and you know Matt Hardy saying to Christian like, "Oh, we got to work together. You get to get him, you and me." And then they fist bump, and then Christian Cage throws over Matt Hardy the top rope, which seems to me that Christian Cage will be feuding with Matt Hardy in the near future. Um, I loved the that it was Cage and Jungle Boy as the last two competitors because Jungle Boy. He's probably close to around my age, and he, like myself, grew up watching Christian Cage as a wrestler, so he must be over the moon that he's getting to be in the ring with him. And he eliminates him and wins, and the crowd was so hot. They were just, they ate it all up, man. It was great, you know. Jungle Boy is going to be facing Kenny Omega in uh, two weeks' time for the AEW Championship. Um, He's definitely not going to win, but this is really, really great spot for Jungle Boy. Um, to to be in a high caliber match against Kenny Omega, I I cannot wait for it, and I cannot wait for the day where Kenny where Jungle Boy eventually does win the AEW Championship. Great match overall. Next was Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. Um, th- th- this is one of the few things about about the show that I just didn't really enjoy. Um, I had picked Cody here because you know it was Memorial Day weekend, and they went to the whole thing of like you know. Britain versus USA, and then they have this whole Memorial Day thing, and yeah, I picked Cody, and not much happened in this match, man. Not much happened in this match. I um, I, I was just, I was a little disappointed because, you know, he Cody, Cody does get some criticism for not necessarily putting people over, and he has done that, and he hasn't done that. He has done that in the sense where he's put over Darby Allen, uh, where Darby looked great, uh, winning the TNT Championship from him. And he's put over, and he put over Brody Lee, uh, but he didn't necessarily do that for Lance Archer. He hasn't done that for Anthony Agogo here, and they were really pushing for Anthony Agogo's like, you know, punch to be a really, really big thing, you know. Um, but evidently, that's not the case. Cody won the match in about ten minutes, and again, not much happened here, man. It was just, it it was what it was, and I hope there's a heel turn for Cody in in the horizon because. 
you know, fans could turn on him. The internet didn't like it, and then, but the fans ate it up in Jacksonville. They ate it up in Jacksonville. Um, even Brandy Rhodes leaned to tweet saying like, oh, you had your time in the sun internet, and now the the real fans are here." I'm like, "Well, Brandy, the, the, the internet, fan, the internet's not going anywhere. It still exists." Um, I guess it was a way to try and say like, "Oh, you know, well, you know, like this, like the crowd, the live crowd will determine it." Um, yes, it will, and no, it won't. But I, I don't know. Um, but overall, don't get me wrong. I like Cody Rhodes. I've been a fan of Cody Rhodes. I felt like Cody leaving the WWE was the best decision he ever made for his entire career. I just want to see something different. I want to see him turn heel. I want to see him do something so that the criticism he does get is deserved and that if he is not putting anybody over, it's a big thing for his big, you know, for his big thing with, uh, for his character to the point where people were comparing him to Triple H. They're calling him the Triple H of AEW, which you don't want, but... Overall, I just want better for I want better for Anthony Gogo too because they were building up so well, and only for Cody to beat him. But moving on, Miro defeated Lance Archer for the TNT Championship. This was a lot of fun. It was about ten minutes or so. Um, Miro, man, looked like a monster. He just looked like an absolute monster. Lance Archer doing things a big man should not do. He was doing the old school walk the line on the on the ropes, and then did a fucking moonsault flip over Miro, knocking him down. Uh, Jake the Snake's coming coming down to uh, he was coming down to get the snake out of the bag, but then Miro wrapped up the bag and just <laughs> there was a quote unquote snake in the bag, and he throws it at the at the stage of the ramp, uh, and Miro uh, gets Lance Arch to uh, to be uh, passed to be knocked out by a technical submission. Uh, it says here on Wikipedia, uh, Miro looked absolutely like an absolute fucking monster. Uh, Lance Archer, I hope, does more soon, but I don't think this loss really hurt Lance. It was really, really good, and I like the match a lot. Um, next we have, it's been a long time coming, man, but we had Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, versus Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's Championship match. This match was a lot of fun. And my girl, Britt Baker, finally is finally champion. Finally, she is champion. I've been saying this since January of last year. Britt Baker needs to be the champion. And you know what? The long run paid off. The storytelling, the, her working on her character, it finally paid off. And now Britt Baker, DMD, she is the face of the AEW Women's Division. And I cannot wait to see where her title reign goes from here, who she's going to face. I, 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 I'm excited. I love it. I love it so much. I'm a huge fan of Britt Baker, and I am just so happy for her. I am so, so happy. And this match between her and Sheeta was really well done. Um, maybe Sheeta's best match in a, in a championship defense. I loved it. Uh, I think Sheeta will be fine from here, but I think maybe it's time for Sheeta to kind of just maybe take a break for a little while, go home, and then come back uh, for, for fans to truly appreciate her. Because I think some fans were kind of getting tired of Sheeta's reign. I was in particular. Not anything personal towards Sheeta. I just I just wanted something new, and Britt Baker is that new. Next, we had Darby Allen and Sting versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Um, man, if people were expecting Sting to just kind of go in, do his greatest hits, and have Darby do most of the work, they were dead fucking wrong. Oh my God, Sting is like 60-something years old, and he is still lively. He is still moving around like the guy is like, yeah, I'm back, motherfucker, and I'm fucking wrestling. It was great. At one point, Ethan Page throws Darby Allen into his family in the front row. You know, Scorpio's guy hits a hits a he hits a suplex onto Sting, and then goes on the on the 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 chips and he's got his arms in the air and then Sting go right gets right back up and does the Sting stare behind Scorpio Sky and Scorpio Sky what I've learned he is a huge Sting fan he got to put Sting over in this match so that must have been really great for him we also see how uh, Sting wore Darby face paint in the previous uh, match with Brian Cage and Ricky Starks now it was Darby who was wearing Sting face paint in this match this was a lot of fun I love this match um I can't wait to see what's next for Sting. I can't wait for Sting to get in some singles action, just in some singles matches. I really, really can't wait. Um, I hope one day we see Darby versus Sting, because uh, I think this is probably leading towards that at some point in the future. But uh, but for now, really, really great match. Um, 
I'm going to talk this 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 match for me. This next match is match of the night. Uh it, it might be my match of the year, honestly. I I I again, I've never gotten to see any of the stuff from that's happened from New Japan this year. I haven't seen the Wrestle Kingdom stuff and I haven't seen uh Will any Will Ospreay's matches recently and I know I'm sorry, I'm slacking. But the AEW World Championship. The champion Kenny Omega defending against Pac and Orange Cassidy in a triple threat match. Going into this match, I pick Kenny Omega. I pick Kenny Omega because it's got to be Omega. It's got to be Kenny. There's no one else. Like, Kenny's not dropping that title for a long time. But this match, though, it made me believe Cassidy was going to win. Cassidy was going to become the champion. It was incredible. The heel work of Kenny Omega in this match was just absolutely outstanding. When at one point, Pac has, has Cassidy in the brutalizer, and Kenny stomps on Pac, but Pac refu- is not going to break the hold. Pac's not letting go, so Kenny kicks him again, and again, he won't let go. And in this brilliant, brilliant stroke of genius move, Omega hits the referee. He stomps on Bryce Remsburg who I believe was referee. I think it was Bryce Rensburg. But he stomps on the referee. I'm like, oh my God. And he tears away Pack from Orange Cassidy, taking the different title belts, the, the, the AAA championship, the TNA championship, the Impact championship. And then finally, the Don Callis was tossing every... He was tossing every single championship belt to Kenny, but he handed him the AEW World Championship because of the most prestigious belt. And he attacked Pack and he attacked... He knocked them down with every single championship belt. At one point, Orange Cassidy was going to definitely get the pinfall. And then Don Callis, that piece of shit, man, he grabs the referee and brings him out of the ring. At one point, you know, Orange Orange Cassidy hitting the orange punch. Aubrey, Aubrey Edwards coming out and about to hit the three count. One, two, and then Kenny reversing it and getting the pin on Orange Cassidy like... There were several times in this match where I thought Kenny Omega was going to lose the AEW Championship. I thought Orange Cassidy was going to win the AEW Championship. I was on the edge of my seat for every single minute. I just, I love this so, so much. Right now, I think this is match of the year. I think this is match of the year. I think this is the best match in AEW. Just in general, this is match of the year. And if I had to compare this to Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan versus Edge. I think I like this one better. Don't get me wrong. I think Reigns versus Edge versus Bryan was probably my favorite match at Mania this year. That and Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. But the thing of it was, I went into that match not knowing who could not knowing who could win, not knowing who was going to win. But I would have been fine with the outcome with anybody. This one, I'm like, I know Omega's gonna win. Eventually, he's going to drop the title to Hangman Page. But they worked me. They got me. They hooked me. I'm like, Cassidy's going to win. Cassidy's going to Orange Cassidy is going to win the AEW World Championship. And Jim Cornette is going to shit a brick. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love this match so, so much. Top Props to every single guy. All three of these guys are great workers. Especially Omega's heel work, I I love this match so much. Um, it, it, for those of you guys you guys who haven't seen the show, or if you're gonna watch any match from from Double or Nothing, I implore you all to go watch Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy versus Pack for the AEW World Championship. And then finally, the main event of the show was the Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle in Stadium Stampede. Now, the stipulation was had the Inner Circle lost, they would have had to dis- force to disband forever. Um, the only problem I had with this match was the, that they did it very similar to last year with the cinematic stuff. Um, the cinematic stuff, you know, last year, you know, we were in a we were just in a real shitty place in the world, and it was just we needed something to cheer us up, and that's and, uh, that's what uh, this did. I don't get why they did the whole cinematic thing. I like the whole bar part with FTR and Santana and Ortiz with Conan showing up. You know, getting a little nod to LAX. I, uh, I, I, it was, it was good. It was fine. There, were, there were good parts and everything, 
you know, I like the stuff with Jericho and MJF, and apparently they had filmed that stuff on, like, the Thursday of that week. I loved when they came down from the top of the stadium off of bungee cords. Like, they were really doing that. You know, they were vlogs from Instagram and, you know, Jericho's Instagram and Guevara's Instagram of them actually climbing down. Never really saw that in wrestling before, and I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and then, you know, you laid over to, to Chris Jericho, bringing MJF over to the top of the, in, into the crowd, attacking them in the actual crowd. And then you actually got to Guevara and Sean Spears in the, in the match, which would have been like a decent, a pretty good dynamite match. And then Sammy gets the, the victory over Spears. And I understand why they did this because it was to send the crowd home happy and it was to sing Judas at the end of the show. Because on Dynamite the Friday before, the crowd was singing Jericho's theme music. And they just kept going and going and going. And they wanted the same thing here. And I get it. Um, I predicted the Inner Circle to win. I thought that it was good. It was fun. But I would have done something a little different. I probably wouldn't have done this, the whole cinematic thing. Again, the crowd ate it up. And, and, and if you're someone who actually really, really enjoyed the match, like don't get me wrong. It, there were fun parts in the match, and there were like really great, great stuff in the match, and I enjoyed it. I just wish they didn't do so much of the cinematic aspect of the match, and they rather just focused on you know uh, all the stuff with you know in ring, or you know maybe had some guys like you know fight in the ring, and some guys fight through the crowd, just, just something you know something a little different. But overall, double or nothing, AEW double or nothing, twenty twenty one for me. Show of the year, uh, it's been, it was nothing short of fantastic, I loved all the matches, um, d- my favorite matches in particular, again, I mentioned Omega versus Pac versus Cassidy, the Bucks versus Moxley and Kingston, uh, and I'll go with, uh, the Battle Royal, the Battle Royal with Jungle Boy, uh, winning, uh, last limited Christian Cage, love the show as a whole, great, great time, uh, for those of you guys who haven't seen it, definitely go check it out, definitely watch it. Um, but with that being said, that is all I have for you guys today. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Uh, please be sure to be following us on Twitter at TNAWP, on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Please be sure that you are still listening to Fan Speculation. Me and my buddy Vinny Carini, we just put out an episode yesterday. We talked about uh, the rumors of Green Goblin showing up in No Way Home for Spider-Man. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson uh, being cast as Craven the Hunter. Bad Batch episode number five and Thor Love and Thunder finally wrapping up filming a lot a lot of fun conversations with my good buddy Vinny uh and please be sure still be listening to my band Hollow Heroes on YouTube Spotify Apple Music follow us on Instagram at Hollow Heroes Band on Instagram thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast I have been CJ Palmasano thank you all so much remember please be sure to leave a uh five-star review write a rating on whatever your favorite podcast app is had to throw that one that last one in there sorry about that Anyway, once again, I've been CJ Palmasano. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.